G'day everybody, and for those who are coming late, you're listening to Expand the Phantom Podcast. Ago, he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck, and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy, injustice and cruelty, and all my sons will follow me, so evildoers will believe that this man cannot die. The Phantom, the ghost who walks, the Phantom, enemies beware. The phantom's always there, but you won't find the phantom. He finds you. Hello, we are the Chronicle Chamber team, and this is Expand the Phantom Podcast. Our website is chroniclechamber.com, and you can contact us via our email, which is chroniclechamber at gmail.com. You can subscribe to us via YouTube, uh, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and all the various Android apps. This is episode 201. My name is Jermaine, and today I'm joined by Dan. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, Jim. Um, a bit, uh, really happy because it's the, uh, the coming at the end of the weekend, and I'm about as relaxed as I get uh, in the weekly cycle so on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon. Uh, but I can't help but notice, and, and people on YouTube will have already seen it, mate, your walls are looking bare behind you. You used to be overflowing with stuff. Uh, what's going on? Yeah, I had two weeks off, so I did all my adulting. So, like, I got my second COVID jab, went to the dentist uh, and stuff like that. And then I decided instead of painting the house, which I was originally <laughs> took the time off to do, I decided to rearrange my phantom room. And <laughs> two weeks later after that, it's still not done. I've got about 20 piles of comics and stuff all around me. I'm going to put, get some more lateral filing cabinets and, um, and yeah, and, uh, and as we'll find out with today's podcast, um, I have a bit of a love affair with uh, comics from around the world, and I had run out of space to store them. So <laughs> that's the reason well, behind the reorganisation. Well, fair enough. And I think um, it, it is, it's as good a reason as any to subscribe to our YouTube channel to just every time we put up a podcast, just to see <laughs> the progression behind you uh, and, the, and the development of the Phantom Room, the Skull Cave. That you've got there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've had a couple of people comment on the uh, sketch covers over here t- to the right of me or the left as you look. Um, so, yeah, so a lot of people kind of comment, you know, that they can see when the latest one has been a- added on as well. So, yeah, but um, Dan, I'm looking forward to yeah. today, mate. This will be a good podcast, I reckon. Yeah, mate, it absolutely is. Um, I'm really looking forward to talking to Andreas. People know this from the top, from the title because, uh, but um, yeah, it, every, anytime we've spoken to Dudley and Fru or, or, or Dan Herman and what's going on at Hermes Press, um, Mikel in the past for Phantom, and it's uh, fantastic to get an insight into what publishers are doing with um, with the product. Yes, yes, and we are going to be grilling Andreas a little bit as well. So I'm looking forward to it. But without further um, dribble and nonsense from us let's introduce andreas and let's get stuck into it how you going andreas thank you for joining us hey there thank you for inviting me and uh, looking forward to this talk also that's good i'm glad let's see if you still agree to that and say that at the end of the talk uh, and we try we'll try not to keep you over two hours as well so Andreas, you are the editor for Phantom End. Uh, you've t- taken over the uh, the role from Mikel Sol, who retired in early 2021, I believe it was, at the start of this year. Um, so you've been doing it for almost a year. Now, before we go and discuss a little bit about 
the role and what's happening in Phantom End for 2022 and all that. For those who have come in late, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Andreas Eriksson, and I've uh, been a presence in the Phantom fan community for about as long as there has been a Phantom fan community online. And uh, I started reading in the Phantom when I was a kid. I think that I have determined that I was about five years old when I started to uh, pick out Phantom comics from my older brother's uh, room and uh, reading it. Uh, I was actually not a huge fan of the Phantom himself uh, at the beginning because, as you know, the Swedish magazine publishes a lot of various comics in every issue. And I was a, at first I started to read all the issues that had Mandrake and all the issues that had Flash Gordon and all the other stuff that looked fun. And I also liked to read uh, Marvel comics and the Transformers and He-Man and G.I. Joe. But finally... When everything else was over, I loved reading and there was uh, some uh, Phantom stories that I hadn't looked through. I finally started going through the Phantom and I enjoyed the Phantom also. Uh, and then I became a more and more dedicated fan, partially because a lot of the titles that I mentioned, they disappeared. They stopped publishing uh, a lot of the stuff that I liked as a kid uh, as they went out of fashion. But the Phantom has always been... Uh, in fashion uh, here in Sweden and I got uh, more and more uh, I would say dedicated because the Phantom and especially the Phantom and magazine in Sweden feels Swedish so there's a big difference in uh, uh, how you feel when you read it compared to when you read uh, Marvel comics and other things that are uh, clearly translated from uh, foreign publishers compared to the Phantom magazine, which is edited and created for Swedish readers. Mm. Uh, and uh, sorry, yeah. okay, well, that's very interesting. You, you you say that because I would say that Australians feel the same about the Phantom as well. Is that yeah. the Phantom is our hero as well, and he's Australian. Uh, yeah. And then you've got someone, you know, the other end of the world, other end of the hemisphere, you know opposite in a lot of ways we we're talking about mm. fuel prices before we were talking about you know that you got snow and we've got sun and but you know we've all we all see the phantom as our hero our country's hero so it's just fascinating yeah. you, you you saying that and a lot of that is thanks to the editing part because it doesn't really matter if uh, we are reprinting a story from uh, the united states or producing a story of our own the thing that makes it feel swedish is the package with the cover and the editorial and uh, how we communicate with the readers and how we put it together with uh, in Sweden we have uh, other comics as I said in the magazine so how we do that mix and all that so it isn't really about the producing of new stories here in Sweden although, although that is a big part of the appeal for me uh, of course when I was growing up and realized that here are stories being created by Sometimes by Swedish writers and artists, but that's not even the the main thing. But they were they were commissioned by Swedish editors that sort of guided the storylines into something that would appeal to the Swedish readers. Um, so uh, I got more and more uh, dedicated, and uh, through some uh, through all that, I, I basically became uh, uh, in, got in touch with the editorial staff of uh, Phantom and so I 
I started communicating, uh, well, at first by sending a lot of uh, letters, fan mail, and asking uh, very tough questions like, why did you, uh, why does these two stories contradict each other? And why did you <laughs> do like this and like that? And eventually they started contacting me, like, we have a question here from our reader and we don't know the answer. Do you know the answer? Or uh, as time progressed, I would get uh, sometimes an email or a phone call from Wolf Granberg asking, we are doing a story about uh, an ancestor. Does this conflict with anything we have done before? You know, like when they were already only at the plot stage or something like that. What age were so you? What's happening, Andreas? Sorry to jump in. But uh, yeah, yeah, well, the, I, I got in touch with the, the uh, more directly with the editorial staff when I was like in my teens. When I was... 12 years old, I, um, I participated in a TV show uh, where you could, uh, basically it was a quiz show, but you could choose your own topic. So I chose my topic to be the Phantom and I got a lot of questions. And uh, I, uh, after that, I met uh, the editor at the time, Björn Ishtet was his name, and he was the one who had written the Phantom questions. Uh, so I met him after the last show and since then, I had a more, as I said, more direct communication with the editorial staff. I visited the, the editorial office in Stockholm some years later. I live far away from Stockholm, so um, I didn't do that right away. But I, I communicated more directly with them. And uh, uh, that was sort of building up until the um, I was about... Uh, 20, I think, and that coincided with when Lee Falk died and the Scandinavian chapter of the Lee Falk Memorial Explorer, Bengal Explorers Club uh, started. That's when I got more in touch with Swedish fans, those of us that were like really dedicated fans. Uh, so I met a lot of them when Cy Berry was in Sweden in 2001. So I met Cy Berry and Ulf Granberg and other fans that I had only had internet connections with previously. Mm. Uh, so it's kind of escalated from, from yeah, <laughs> through all my teens and uh, up to being in my 20s. That's when, uh, you know, I started to get, uh, um, I was sometimes uh, writing editorial material to fill out the magazine or I was getting questions from the editorial staff if I could help out with, uh, you know, making sure that a story was in in context with other stories and stuff like that. Um, so that was going on, you know, since I was in my early 20s, like I was some sort of, uh, I was I was available as a kind of freelancer for filling out uh, with articles and stuff and uh, just helping out when I could. Yeah. That's that's unreal, and and some simple maths puts you in your your early forties now, I think. Yeah, I'm okay. exactly forty years old now. So that's yeah, there you go. 20, 20 years of uh, being some sort of uh, not part of the well. As eventually, I, I became more of a officially a part of the editorial stuff, but uh, for a lot of years, I was just. Uh, very super dedicated fan, basically. Uh, so, Andreas, just a, so you and I have known each other, I think it was since 2000 with the old Phantom Forum and stuff yeah. like that. So we've, we've known each other for 21 years. I remember, yeah. I, I don't know, I'm not sure if you remember this, but the first interaction we actually had um, 
uh, ended up with me getting an official warning from Garan on the Deep Woods forum <laughs> for stop picking fights with you. <laughs> not sure I don't remember, remember that. I don't remember <laughs> the topic. It absolutely yeah. sounds true. To <laughs> don't, don't dispute him on it. <laughs> yeah, it's probably true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, so it's been it's been twenty twenty one years since we've um since we've first been interacting with each other and stuff like that on yeah. the various fan forums and you know we've both done stuff for Chronicle Chamber and um yeah and, and, and stuff like that. There's been a lot of a lot of discussion, so I'm really looking forward to it. But one thing one thing we, I do have to ask before we do move on mm-hmm. is: Are you a focused or a modernist? You know, that's an uh, interesting question because growing up reading uh, The Phantom in Sweden, like I did, that question never even occurred to me. And I have to say that that is because I don't think that I have ever met a focused in Sweden. Uh, Because uh, the way the magazine, and that's not because uh, the magazine itself presents all the stories like a unit. It's not separated that here are the stories from Lee Falk and here are the stories that we make in Sweden. It's all presented like a unit. Though even you can, even though you can look at them and see that there is a difference in storytelling because the American stories were newspaper strips and all that, but they were edited to look as much as possible as a comic story. And it's only when you started to do like me and read the editorial pages very closely and start asking uh, questions that you sort of realize that there's a difference Mm. but when i started reading the phantom i never paid attention to whose name was in the credit box i just read the stories i enjoyed them they were one and the same to me Uh, and can i jump in there andre so do you mean that they were edited the the daily and the newspaper stories did they have big splash pages and various um like changes yeah because i I as an ignoramus, um, I know um, Jermaine mm-hmm. collects a lot of um, Phantom and comics, but I, I have not ever seen one in the flesh, I don't think. So um, so do you mean that they actually changed the panel size and, and all that of the artwork to more um, replicate what was yeah. going on in the other ones? Yeah, they have splash pages. They fill out, instead of printing, you know, if you do four strips on a page, they don't fill out as much space as a comic page, but they would you know, edit them so that they would fill out the page more and look more like a regular story. So mm-hmm. even the Cyberry stories, even though I, that's when I started to realize that there's a difference because Cyberry, he would always draw in small panels and not draw the big uh, splashes and all that. And that's, of course, because he worked with daily strips and Sunday strips that have a limited layout, whereas Hans Lindahl and Kari Leppinen could do whatever they wanted. And also the difference with Lee Falk writing sort of simpler stories because he has to keep the audience reading from day to day, whereas uh, the other writers for the Swedish version, that they could basically do as complicated and as long stories and multi-part stories as they would like. Um, so if anything, I when I started to notice the difference, I didn't like Lee Falk's stories as much as the Team Phantom stories. Uh, but as I came quite early on to be like involved in the international, uh, in the fan community, I was uh, 13 when I, oh no, I was 12 when I started to trade Phantom Comics with an American collector. Uh, he had posted uh, uh, an ad in the Phantom magazine and was like, uh, if anyone in Sweden wants to trade comics, uh, 
so I was 12, 13 when I started to receive uh, through comics and uh, I had the gold key and the DC and everything. So already at that age, I started to realize that the Phantom is unlike Spider-Man, which is the same in every country. You have differences everywhere. So in, but I think that most people reading it in Sweden, they don't think about it like, like folkist and modernist, if you call it like that, because it's not a question that we ask each other in the fan community. <laughs> uh, it's not something that you think about when you read the Phantom. The only big, uh, the only two major sides in the discussion among Swedish fans that I have noticed is if you like the Phantom in black and white or color. That's like throwing a dog to uh, a bone to the dogs. You will start a fight if you have like two people from opposing sides. They will just get a in a huge, huge argument about color or black and white. So but where do you sit folk... on that? Excuse where, me. Where do you sit on the color and black and white? The reason the reason I didn't uh, read the Phantom. Uh, as much uh, when I when I when the uh, that the Phantom was like my last resort was because it was in black and white. I didn't like that. And when the Phantom magazine turned to color when I was ten years old, that's when I started to buy every issue. And today, I think that most of the time, black and white looks better than color. So my opinions have changed over the years. Okay. And also, as I said, uh, I think that I became more and more aware of Lee Fox original version and both of the limitations of them and what an effort he really made. So I have also become more and more a fan of Lee Falk's work, uh, but not as much, not so much that you can call me a focused because I think that those that say that they are focused, they seem to disregard everything else. And I definitely don't do that. I grew up on reading the Team Phantom stories and they are probably still the best stories that I have read were created uh, my, my favorites are the Team Van Storma stories and also the way that the newspaper stories were sort of presented as a unit together with them. So I don't, I don't split it between Falk and Team Van and That's one and the same to me. And I, I yeah, as I said, I don't, I rarely, when I discuss with the fans, even the more dedicated fans, it's rare to meet someone that would say that they totally disregard Team Phantom. Mm. They would all say that some like Fox stories more than the others, but I don't find very man, many of them that uh, don't uh, like the Swedish version. And uh, if anything, they are fans of, a, of an artist rather than Lee Falk. I mean, there are lots of Wilson McCoy fans, but they wouldn't say that they are folkist because they don't care much for the Siberia years, for example. Yeah. So well, it's a, a long answer to a... While we're in this neck of the woods, what is your all-time favorite Phantom story? Can we ask that? Yeah, that's uh, Railroad of the Slaves by Norman Worker and Hans Lindahl. That's uh, as good as it gets. About uh, If you remember it, the 16th Phantom... He gets help from his kids, which are Kit and Julie. Yeah. So it's a, a Julie story, but before she has ever uh, taken on the Mask of the Phantom. And yeah. the artwork is spectacular. It's definitely the best that Hans Lindahl ever made. And it's a very uh, uh, gripping story. Uh, that's like one of the stories that I can remember the first time I read it. It was just like very gripping and... Yeah. Yeah, that's my all-time favorite. That's that was last published by Fru in the Girl Annual, which I don't yeah. remember the number off the top of my head. But for anyone who wants to dig that out, that's what that is. 
we know you're we know you're a creator and you've created stories, but we don't we're not going to focus on that side of things today. That's going to be another podcast. Can um, I just ask how many stories you've written, Andreas? Uh, I've written two stories for Egmont, uh, one short story for uh, Lightning Strikes in Ireland, and I think that I have written four or five scripts for Fru, but none of them have been published yet. So that's still none to come. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry. I just wanted to, yep. we are going to come back and have a creator podcast with you. I just yes. wanted to. So we'll take, we'll take that hat off and we'll put on your editorial <laughs> hat. Once, um, once some of those ones have come out and through, I reckon. That, yes, that'll be the yes. Uh, you took over for a short period of time. I think it was six months or 12 months when he was on maternity leave. And then you got a um, an offer to to take over the role late last year, early this year. Is that correct? Uh, sort of, yeah. I filled in in 2016 when uh, Mikael was on paternity leave. And I think it was... Uh, yeah, it was close to a year, from February to November or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but he had already planned the whole year, so I was just making sure that everyone was doing their job and, uh, you know, meeting the deadlines. Everything was planned out, and he had commissioned every new story and all that, so it was already up and running. Uh, uh, then I, after that, I. Uh, was hired to be the proofreader. So I started to proofread every issue and sort of became an editorial assistant that way because I, of course, wouldn't just uh, uh, make notes of uh, spelling errors, but also continuity errors or uh, oh. things like that. And then uh, Mikael Sol uh, had... Uh, he was uh, burned out, so he had to leave. And that was more suddenly, and uh, of course, because it was a, a health issue. Uh, and then they called me back in because I was probably the person that was most uh, aware of uh, the editorial work for Phantom. And of course, Egmont has a huge staff. They publish lots of magazines, not just comics. So basically, me taking over for a while in 2016 was a... a uh, an inspired choice. I mean, it could have just gone to his uh, uh, colleagues at the office in uh, in Malmö in south of Sweden. But Mikael wanted someone who, as I said, didn't just notice spelling errors or uh, stuff like that, but actually had a yes. knowledge about the Phantom because he, as he knew, Phantom fans don't like uh, <laughs> mistakes. So it, if, if he had given it to some of his colleagues that uh, that work on the other titles, I mean, they're great at working at magazines and comics, but if they had made a mistake about the Phantom continuity and stuff like that, it could have upset a lot of readers. Oh, there would have been, there would have been very yeah. upset podcast um, people and podcast listeners <laughs> as well. We would have ripped them a, a new one. So, yes. Yeah. It was a so, very uh, inspired I, choice. Yeah, and then, I, of course, I, it was uh, easier for them to uh, give me the assignment. That was the end of 2019 when uh, Mikael had to step away. And that was very brief, only for four issues. But it was in a very interesting time because it was um, at the end of 2019. So we were supposed to have... Uh, Mikael was supposed to finish the schedule for the upcoming year, 2020. Uh, but he had to leave before finishing that. And 2020 was uh, an anniversary year. It was the 70th mm. year of Phantomen. Uh, Phantomen started in 1950 and was going to celebrate 70 years. So it was 
a bit more of a challenge to come in and don't have a plan that was ready for every issue, but actually plan a few issues from scratch and using, well, of course, there were stories in progress and stuff like that, but uh, it was a, a different way of working than when I worked for uh, almost a year as his replacement. Uh, and then, as you say, uh, in the end of last year, uh, Mikael announced that he was leaving for another job. Uh, and uh, I don't think... A lot of people asked me back then if I was going to be the replacement because I had been his temporary replacement a couple of times. But I was sure myself that they would hire someone that worked at the main office or that could work at the main office in, in Malmö. And it was not an option for me to move across the country just for uh, working with the Phantom. I can so just, vouch, but I, I can, sorry, I was just going to say, Dan, before, I can vouch for that because you and I did have that conversation about how you yeah. would move for the job. Sorry, Dan. I wouldn't move for the it job just, and I was sure that they wouldn't yeah. give it to someone who didn't work at the office. But And just yeah. for perspective, Andreas, you said it before we started recording that you're in the north of Sweden and the office is in the south of Sweden. What sort of commute would that be or how far? Well, how I would have to be uh, like a weekly commute. Uh, it's, uh, so, so it's kilometers away from Yeah, it's uh, 1,400 kilometers away. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. whenever I, when I have gone to uh, Malmö, I, for example, I went there when I was filling in for uh, Mikael in 2016. For me, it's a, a double airplane trip. I have to change planes. Uh, oh, wow. it's, there's no direct flight from where I live. Train would take 15 hours, uh, stuff like that. So, but it's not. So, so is is it pandemic related that we've had that leap forward that you can now work from home? Is that? I think that it uh, it could have uh, played in. Uh, it's a combination of that and that they wanted someone that quickly knew all the ins and outs of the production and the phantom so that you don't have to hire someone that is new both when it comes to working with comics and mm. knowing all that stuff about the phantom that the fans sort of require from you to be fair it sounds like listening to your history of like from 12 till 40 could you have a more perfect apprenticeship for the editorial Editor no. of, of the film. It, it was, uh, yeah, it was perfect. And also, um, in addition to this, uh, I have to say, of course, that I work in related things. So it's not like I'm just a super fan that enjoys reading the comics, but I also work. Uh, my regular job is sort of uh, in publishing, but it's the kind of books that no one reads. It's instruction manuals. <laughs> so I... Uh, yeah, so I, I work with uh, writing and uh, publishing and uh, handling uh, basically similar things, even in my regular day job. Uh, and then I started to add more and more comics-related freelance work, and eventually it led up to this. Well, see, that even that's a familiar path for fandom creators. I think uh, Wilson McCoy, lots of um, uh, fandom artists have been graphic design and advertising before they've got to the, the stuff that they really wanted to do. Yeah. Now, the role's slightly different from what I understand. Um, could you explain the difference Yeah, for us? Uh, so... Mm. I am not employed by Egmont. That's the main difference. I'm a freelancer. So uh, I, 
am not working directly for Egmont uh, the same way Mikael did. He was an employee of Egmont. So he he worked uh, at their main office in Malmö. He uh, was an employee and he didn't just work on the Phantom. He worked on several of their titles. And he didn't just have the editorial uh, part of the job, but also the sort of project management part, which means that you take care of the economy and uh, all the business stuff uh, besides actually just putting together a, a comic magazine or a book and getting it ready for print, which is the difference like an editor Basically, what an editor does is to make sure that you sort of have something that is ready to send to print. And in this case, since I'm not an employee of Egmont, I don't get to look at all the uh, financial stuff. And I don't, uh, it's not up to me to, for example, uh, hire creators to make new stories or covers. <clears throat> all that has to go through a person who is hired working directly for Egmont, an employee of them. And of course, I don't work uh, on other titles. I have actually one more uh, title that I work on for Egmont, which is also a freelance job. But that means that my job, instead of being Phantom and other comics and just filling out uh, everything with comics, I work part-time with comics. And then the rest of the time, I work at that same job that I mentioned before. So it's not full-time comics for me, and it's not all the things that Mikael did. Uh, but for me, it's quite a relief to not have to deal with the stuff that's, you know, business and economy related because uh, I do that basically with everything else that I do. Uh, mm -hmm. I have the responsibility of the stuff that I publish myself and uh, other things that I'm involved in. I much more uh, responsibilities uh about everything. So the Phantom job is actually pretty good from my view that I just get to work on the stuff that I think is fun, which is to put a comic book together and seeing it get printed. And so do you like read the story and go, oh, hang on, I should be like, um, you know, like just go and slip into fanboy mode instead of editorial <laughs> mode? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's... Uh, it's possible that I do that, but I have been, you know, behind the scenes for mm. decades now. So it's not, uh, I mean, I do remember uh, it was uh, the, a big step for me when I started to get information before it was out in print. But that was like 10, 15 years ago when Ulf Granberg started to, uh, uh, you know, ask me beforehand about some stories and uh, that I could assist with or when I started to write editorial pieces uh, on assignment. It could be like, now we have a story about uh, the female members of the Jungle Patrol. Can you write an editorial piece about uh, the Jungle Patrol? Uh, so I was starting to get previews yeah. of what's coming up. And I also remember specifically asking, can I look at some scripts? because I was interested in seeing how a story like was created from, from beginning to end. So Ulf Granberg sent me some scripts and that was probably 15 years ago. So was I have already Sorry, was that about when you were starting to think about writing comic adventures yourself? 
Yeah, definitely. I uh, I started to uh, I had ideas and I started to write some of it down, but I, I needed to see how is a script formatted and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm at the moment I'm both a fanboy that gets uh, pleasantly surprised with every new story, uh, but I also try to keep like the editorial uh, focus on it and make sure that it's as good as possible. Um, you know what can i do to make this even better and uh, as an editor you can do stuff like not only working with the story itself but how you present it with editorial information before and after and uh, what other kinds of stories that you present in the same issue or uh, if you reprint a story that is related you know sort of to to bring the readers up to speed before the the new story that is upcoming like uh, months ahead. So uh, that's stuff that I can do. The one that hires writers and artists to do new stories for Egmont, that goes through uh, the project manager of the magazine. And that's a difference because Mikael was both editor and project manager. Yeah. And I am just the editor, uh, meaning that... Uh, in this case, I, I get a, a chance to give a lot of input, but uh, there was another replacement for Mikael hired when he left, and that replacement is Jakob. Jakob Hobbins is uh, Mikael's replacement, and he has also been filling in for Mikael before, but uh, mainly on, on other titles that uh, Mikael worked on. And uh, so Jakob is the one who is uh, has the final say. He's the one who uh, looks at the budget, who decides uh, how much money we can spend on new stories. He's the one who uh, hires an artist to uh, draw a story and uh, make sure that uh, the deadline is acceptable and the fee is acceptable and stuff like that. And that's also, of course, a difference in that Mikael did everything mm. himself. Yeah. Um Another question regarding, I guess, the roles is uh, some fans will be aware of the term Team Phantom Man for, I guess, for those who aren't, they will kind of like the, the team that put together the, the, the stories and stuff like that. Um, now with Clace no longer with us and then with um, Mikkel uh, no longer a part of um, Phantom Man as well, who's in charge of that now? That is Jacob. Uh, he okay. has the final say, but yep. he would not uh, miss the opportunity to get my input on a story. Yep. Uh, so that's, uh, but since he is the one who is employed by Egmont and I'm just a simple freelancer who uh, has no obligations, uh, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I get the, uh, frankly, very good position of giving my opinions, but not taking responsibility for, <laughs> for the final decisions. So if there so, is a storyline that fans don't like, you gave your opinion, but uh, at the end of the day... <laughs> I don't think that we're going we're gonna to come to a situation where I totally disown a story that has been uh, produced by Team Phantom during my time as editor, but... Uh, there is uh, that is the difference between me and Mikael, so that I I can't stop or uh, decide uh, who will be the artist or writer for upcoming stories. That's yeah. out of my pay grade. 
a good a good bit of plausible deniability is always handy, Andres. <laughs> yeah. So while we're on while we're on the subject of disowning certain stories, <laughs> um, where do you stand in the Sandal Singh and Nadia and the Phantoms storyline? Where do you stand in that? We know Dan's opinion, and we know my opinion, um, but where do you stand in it? I think that uh, Sandal Singh and that storyline has done exactly what it was intended to do, which is to create a, uh, an enemy and a situation where we don't know how the Phantom will get out of it and how, even if it sort of gets resolved, how much uh, uh, has been destroyed for the Phantom. We, when we read it as readers only, uh, we are genuinely worried where this is going. We are concerned. We're at the edge of our seats. And that is the exact point of Standal Singh. She, has, she is doing things that few uh, phantom um, enemies have been able to do because, you know, other recurring enemies like uh, General Bababu, we know that he's not a threat in the long term. And, you know, other enemies, they have come and went and... Uh, they never managed to disrupt the Phantom as much as uh, Sandal Singh has done. So she is um, by far the most interesting character that we have currently. And uh, I would say since Lubanga, the most interesting plot lines that we have had, of course. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it's, and I, I see this as, uh, uh, it's, as I said, the whole point of Sandal Singh and the, the storyline is to basically shake the phantom and uh, make him feel that, uh, or make us readers feel that the phantom is in big trouble here. Mm -hmm. And as I said, that's something that few enemies of the phantom have been able to do. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but with that said, the storyline is ongoing. And I compare this to... When the Lubanga storyline began, I think if you look back at that time, that was I was becoming a, a more dedicated fan myself. I was 13 years old, and here comes Lubanga, who takes over the presidency of Bengali, and everything is changing. I had like uh, I was concerned when I started to read those stories. I felt that this could, you know, what what will happen? Will this be the end of the Phantom? And a lot of fans in Sweden reacted the same way, that they didn't like how Lubanga was so powerful, that he could, he also disrupted the Phantom's life in many ways, uh, and he posed a real threat. And since that storyline was published in every issue for that period of time, uh, basically a lot of uh, feedback from the readers was that this was too much basically. So after a couple of years, they got rid of Lubanga. He died, presumably. And that was the end of the Lubanga storyline. And when it was over, I think that me and many others felt that this was the best thing that we have ever read. Mm. But when oh, we were in the middle so, of it, yeah. it was so challenging and upsetting that we couldn't really enjoy it. But looking back at it, <laughs> that storyline and Lubanga as a character was definitely a high point in the Team Phantomen uh, uh, storylines. That's a really interesting point you make there, Andreas, about yeah. it being 
disturbing and upsetting in the moment. And and for lots of us, I say us because I, I'm one of them. I can see you squirming as he was talking about Sandal. <laughs> yeah, but I, I also, when I talk to... Uh, when I talk to older fans about the Phantom, uh, a lot of them say that, well, the Phantom, the story was ruined when the Phantom married Diana. And it was like, when I started to read the Phantom, they had already been married for a while. They already had kids. And I started to read it at that moment. So for me, there was never a question of, was the Phantom better or worse when they were not married? Because that was already history and couldn't be changed, so to speak. So I think that uh, as much as People dislike Sandal Singh as a character. They dislike her because she was intended to just be like mm. a despicable uh, enemy and do things that no one else had done that seriously upsets the Phantom's status quo. Okay. Uh, but so, uh, yeah. So, question you can say no comments. Do you know if Nadia is the Phantom's? some i don't know more than has so that been story the... okay so that story hasn't been created yet uh, the last i have seen of this storyline is what has been published in Fantomen in sweden so what is on paper in sweden is what i know and uh, there is no revelation so far okay do you think um do you think we'll we will ever find out or do you think it will just be this overhanging thread for the next 10 20 years not for 10 20 years i think that uh, there will be a resolution to it i have spoken uh, this was early in the process when i was taking over i was speaking with uh, mikael and uh, jacob about this because as you know uh, klaus reimerty who created all this he retired at the beginning of this year yeah uh, and that is you know, that means that he left it up to others to continue this storyline. Uh, I'm not going to... Isn't that one of the ultimate hand grenades to throw back in? <laughs> you the door retire. I'm retiring and I hear you go. He's saying the thing. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I'm going to leave it up to uh, others to say how much was plotted out by Klaus before. But I can say that we have not seen... Uh, his last stories on the subject, but uh, I don't. As the way I see it, there is no answer to this question until something is printed on paper, mm. and uh, there is uh, nothing that has uh, been printed on paper yet that is a def- definitive answer. Okay, one more question, and then I'll let Dan ask question if he, if I haven't answered what he mm. wants to know. As a fanboy, not as an editor. <laughs> As a fanboy, and again, you can say no comment if you want. What what would you like to see? Would you like to see that Nadir is not the Phantoms, or are you open to the idea of being Nadir being the Phantoms' son? Um, I think that I'm open to most uh, results in that question, but uh, it's. Uh, mm, yeah, it's uh, it's easier to say no comment than to have a clear answer. Like, uh, I think that's something that, you know, from day to day, I can have different ideas on how what would happen if we find out this or find out that. Cool. Um, 
Well, Before my, we my, close the book, you got any questions you want to ask on the gear and sandal? Congratulate you, Andreas, on the way that you say no comment because your last two answers have been <laughs> fantastic, but have also you could summarize it down to no comment. So no, I, I really appreciate where you're coming from. And um, you've actually given me some pause for thought, like in terms of um, actually disrupting the phantom line, rather other than um, getting uh, you know one of the many iterations of the phantom getting stabbed by a pirate in the back before he had kids like at the 21st phantom what's actually going to stop the the phantom line um you're absolutely right in terms of a um of sandal being uh, a disruptor to who who actually is a genuine threat to the whole idea of the phantom not just not just this one but the whole forevermore so um yeah no but i, I love the way you say no comment <laughs> <laughs> Dan, have you got any further questions before we kind of change tack a little bit and discuss fantasy? Oh, the less we talk about it, the better. So let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So one of the other, apart from introducing all the listeners to the new editor for Phantom Man, is we wanted to pick your brain as much as we can about what we can look forward to Phantom Man 2022 20, with what happens in the Phantom Man magazine also tends to happen in the fa- in the in the free comic and also it's got a big influence on the phantom universe I yeah think. yeah yeah in a roundabout stuffed up type of way exactly <laughs> um so I, I guess we want to kind of like ask you some questions like what can we expect in phantom in 2022 so we're going to ask some questions and i'm sure there's going to be some no comments again <laughs> So 2020, uh, 2022, <laughs> <laughs> um, are we going to be getting the same amount of issues as we have in the last couple of years? Yeah. Uh, the, this is the time of year when the publishing schedule and the budgets are uh, being yep. done. And uh, as I said, I have the uh, excellent position of just being handed everything from uh, Jacob, who has been fighting with the uh, economists about uh, what we want to do and what we can do for next year. Uh, But there will be the same uh, amount of uh, issues and the same uh, 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 proportions of single issues and double issues. As you perhaps know, some issues uh, in Sweden are twice and the size so we will be doing 19 issues next year and seven of them will be double issues that are 100 pages so that's the same as quite far back but about a decade now about 10 years i think now yeah something like that yeah <laughs> no worries and so i'm assuming we will get the soft cover album and the christmas album uh again yes they have also been a the Christmas album is the longest tradition that has been going on since 1944. Uh, mm. So that is, there will be another Christmas album next year, and there will be a new album in the uh, soft cover uh, series. And uh, we have already planned the contents of these albums. So we, we are that far ahead. They are released oh, wow. at the end of next year, but we mm. already have planned which stories to publish and stuff like that. Any chance of a hint of what, the themes maybe no that no chance of that <laughs> we're gonna ask <laughs> yeah um uh, but uh, now we we have uh, barely published uh, the christmas album yeah. and the uh, uh, soft cover album for this year so the yes. i think that the christmas album isn't even out yet it comes out in november so uh 
people barely know what will be in the <clears throat> Christmas album this year. But yeah, no, that's that... uh, just to give an example. That's how far ahead we try to plan. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So the because um, soft cover this year was the Rough on Roughnecks the theme. Yeah. Yep, and then we've had the Nor and the Pirates and and yeah. some other themes as well. Before I think there was also the Wedding theme as well. <laughs> Um, okay, do you have uh, anything else planned for 2022? Yeah, uh, there will be something more in addition to this. Uh, a new Ooh. book, a new type of book, I could say. So it's not part of uh, any series of books that we already have going. So that will be a new and interesting thing to try out, um, like a, a new format of a phantom book. And I think that it will actually be published well, I don't want to promise too much, but let's say that during the first half of 2022, at least. Oh, wow. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not intended for the end of the year, but the first half of the year. Uh, and this is uh, something I'm looking forward to, of course, because my feeling has always been that we have too few options of publishing The Phantom because the readership is quite diverse. And uh, the more types of publications that we have, uh, the better we can mm. sort of tailor some publications to a different type of audience. So it's so been interesting that... to uh, to watch how what Fru has been doing, who had mm. only one title basically to begin with, and then spread out and tried new things. It's exactly the question I was about to ask. Like, is so is this? And I've got to ask, and again, you can say no comment, but um, is this a, a Kid Phantom type um, branch out where it's a whole different tack or is a, are we talking giant size? I guess that's the... the no, it's, it's, a, it's a book. It's not a magazine. So it's uh, more in the, I think it's... Uh, like a trade paperback. More in that vein, yeah. Yeah. So would that be able to be sold more in like bookstores and... Yeah, and, and and stuff like that, um, which I'm, I'm assuming is like another area you want to be able to get the fans <clears> in, similar as what, yeah. what Fru are trying to do. As so well. it's it's a different format in both size and uh, you know the the practical side of it, but also uh, presumably distribution because the books that we have talked about, the Christmas album and the uh, soft cover books, they have different types of distribution channels mm. and of course the magazine itself has a separate type of distribution so this is one more branch on the tree so to speak oh wow so was this was this one of your ideas when you came in that you wanted to, to explore or was this a follow-on from <coughs> Mikkel it, no it was uh, I think that uh, uh, I have supplied ideas for like decades back to when Ulf Granberg was uh, still editor. I had ideas for books and uh, new magazines and everything. And uh, sometimes he, he thought that an idea was good enough. So he would discuss it with uh, the economy departments and all that. <clears throat> and then nothing really happened. The closest thing was the book that you mentioned, the uh, soft cover book with the noir theme. But my original idea, which I supplied 10 years, more than 10 years ago to Fjernbe, was a magazine, which was going to be called Phantom Noir, which would be released, you know, regularly. But the closest we could get was to make one book with the title Noir and select stories of that theme, so to speak. Uh, 
so this book that is coming out now, I would say that it's Jacob is the responsible person to do it. But we have all, me and Mikael and Ulf Granberg, everyone who has been involved has had ideas on how to expand the Phantom line, mm. so to speak. And I think, uh, of course, the big difference between Fru and Egmont is that Fru is only Phantom and Egmont is so much more than the Phantom that yeah. you don't... Um, you have so much to compete with. I mean, in the end, you you can't flood the market with Phantom books because in the end, you have to uh, you start to compete with your own products, other mm. comics. You you sort of take off shelf shelf space or just uh, staffs time working on the books. Uh, you can't just focus it on the Phantom. You have to Egmont has to divide it among dozens of titles and make everyone work. Uh, that's yeah. that's a big difference. Uh, so the book that is upcoming, it's uh, Jacob is the one who is finally figured out how to put out another type of book. Uh, but it's uh, similar to ideas that I have had and probably Mikael and Ulf Granberg have had also. But it's uh, his uh, thanks to him that it finally got through the economic budget approvals, which basically... Uh, we can all have ideas on what we would like to see in a in a book or a magazine as fans, mm. but uh, you know Egmont has to make a profit. They can't do it just because it's a good book for the fans. It has to make up cover its costs and all that. And uh, Jacob is the one that took this one to the uh, finish line. Wow, this is this is pretty exciting. Um, so is it going to be fork bar uh, fork newspaper stories or are we looking at Egmont's uh, Team Phantom Man stories or uh, no comment on that but I can say that even though it's published as a one shot to begin with it could open up you know uh, if, if that is successful there is a possibility of sequels just like the the soft cover series started the same way they released yep. one soft cover book and that sold well enough to do another one the next year and the next year and now we have been doing it for six or seven years and so i, I have to push andreas but is, is this a brand new storyline uh, it's not uh, no i wouldn't say that it's a brand new storyline no but so are they uh, reprint stories uh it also depends on how you define new. Uh, uh, Sorry. Is, if, if new means that it's uh, something that we have produced for Egmont, or is new something that hasn't been published anywhere else, uh, that has, you know, that's, uh, there are many definitions of new, and uh, uh, I won't say more about the contents or what could be in possible sequel books, but uh, I think that uh, once we announce it, you will. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it will be. You will both see the appeal of this one book and the possibilities of what could come next. Oh, that sounds very promising. I, I, I appreciate you letting us know what you what, what you can. Uh, that's, yeah. that's that's exciting news. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, uh, me too. I just want to ask one more question. Along in this in this vein, is it the sort of thing that you could see um, through picking up and maybe doing something with your publication? In terms of an English language version, uh, yeah, it's definitely something that could work uh, down under as well. All right, thank you. That, yeah, <laughs> that probably opens up more questions, Dad. But yeah. no, that was a good question. <laughs> no, no. 
Now, Jim, you just need to schedule a Glenn Ford podcast or a Dudley. <laughs> yeah, but no, uh, thank you for telling us that, Andreas. Um, okay, so uh, another question. Are we going to see more of the 22nd Phantom Saga? Uh, yes, there will be. And I, as I said, I don't know more than what is already printed. And that is because the stories that are upcoming are... They were already commissioned before I entered the yeah. editorial seat, so to speak. They were uh, written by Klaus. They were edited by Mikael. So, uh, and I have sort of not asked to see them before they are due to be published next year. I know that there are more stories coming up, but I have had my hands full with the current uh, issues. And yeah. as curious as I am, you know, they are already written. Uh, approved uh, mostly drawn so i can might as well just sit back and wait for the last pages to be inked and then read them yeah complete yeah. and finished yeah uh, that's very good restraint i don't think i wouldn't be able to do that um i, I <laughs> guarantee the germ would not be able to restrain <laughs> i personally really enjoyed the series um what 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 are your what's your fanboy's opinion of the series well, as I said, it, it uh, has uh, kept the interest up for uh, for myself as a reader. This is, uh, you know, like it was in back in the Lubanga days. But the difference, of course, is that it's progressing more slowly uh, because it's not in every issue. The Lubanga mm -hmm. series was concentrated to uh, three years, I think. And the storyline was in almost every issue of Phantom, whereas the Sandal Singh uh, thing has evolved for decades. And of course, the last uh, big plot element with the, her son is something that has been ongoing for years where we haven't known the final answer. So I, I really enjoy them. As a fan, I would like to have seen them published more frequently. So we had, I, I don't know if I can say that there is a resolution, but just uh, to get things moving faster. But mm. this is where we are at. This is what is possible to do at the moment. There is, you know, uh, between two and four stories a year is what we have been having for the last yeah. few years. And it's also, you know, for those who hate Han Sandal Singh, I think it's uh, a relief that uh, the other stories published in a year are not about her and they're not about her son. So that's, uh, you know, one way of uh, avoiding what happened during the Lubanga time when people started to uh, demand that he get his uh, uh, punishment due, so to speak, uh, because they couldn't enjoy the magazine at all yeah. as long as he yeah, was in mob. It's probably a good point. Mm. Um, so let's just say, so correct me if I'm wrong, the, the stories that are going to be reprinted or are going to be printed next year, they're, they're, they've been created by Klaus Ramifi. In that storyline, yes. Yes. Okay, so if it doesn't come to a resolution, because we don't know yet, because mm. you haven't read them, we haven't read them, will you be looking to continue that storyline? And mm. do you have any ideas on who could be the writer for it? Well, first of all, when I, if you talk about resolution only if you only focus on the question if if uh, Sandal Singh's son is also the phantom son I don't think that that necessarily is the end of the storyline 
Yeah. Mm. So I'm no, talking about the twenty second Phantom. Yeah. So story. Whatever whatever we find out about her son. That 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 still leaves the door open to tell more stories about Kit and Heloise as adults and continue where we have been going on. So yes, there is definitely a possibility uh, that the stories will continue beyond next year, regardless of what we find out in those stories. And of course, that means that someone else will write the stories. Yeah. So do you have... Because one of the things I really enjoy about the 22nd Phantom Saga, and, and we've discussed this on the podcast before, is the amount of... Uh, phantom law, like you've got Luaga, you've got um, you know, you've got all that you've it's it's not like it's a new timeline and everything's just blown out the window there's a lot of reflections or a lot of tie-ins, easter eggs or whatever word you want to use with what we understand of the 21st Phantom now, so mm. for someone to be able to create those stories they have to have a good grasp of who the Phantom is so, yeah yeah, because and that that's that's a challenge because, you know, do you have someone in mind who would be able to be able to do that? Uh, yeah, I think we have some options, uh, and as you say, it would probably not be someone that writes their first Phantom story picking up that yeah. thread. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, you're uh, um, you mentioned something uh, interesting there that some people don't seem to. Uh, realize just how connected this is to all the stories, that this is not an alternate future or it's not like a science fiction future. This is, uh, we're building directly on the same timeline as all the other stories as, and uh, which is something that I really love that uh, when, you know, already in the first episodes of this empty throne saga that class was bringing in characters from the 1980s and elements from the 1990s and you know characters that uh, made it feel like it's 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 not like phantom 2040 where there is no connection to the old characters but we have them all here it's connected it's one timeline and if anything uh, as editor um this is where i will try to help as much as possible to keep the continuity yeah to make in sure that mind. sorry and I'm, I'm, hmm? I'm going a bit um beyond i guess but um, in in a way that's part of what makes the phantom so difficult as a character like it's a blessing and a curse that um we haven't got alternate timelines dc and marvel do have the alternate yeah. timeline. they have oh that spider-man story is do over so we're just starting <clears throat> whatever the phantom timeline because of whatever reason um mm -hmm. we we all want to tie the swedish and the um, um and the the newspaper stories and the and through comics all into the one universe it's a it's a devilish job that you guys have <laughs> yeah and uh, as, as you uh, say it's um we, we try to tie it all together and uh my I w this is where I will try to help as much as possible to make sure that the continuity is on track, so to speak. And uh, uh, basically what we're doing is, from an editorial point of view, uh, the stories about Kit and Heloise as, as the 22nd Phantom, they are the new present-day stories. And all the stories about the 21st Phantom are historical stories, just as we look at the 16th and the 10th and the 9th Phantom. 
So we, we have to make sure that no one is killed off in a story about the 21st Phantom that then appears in a story about the 22nd Phantom. Mm. So uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a difficult task, but it's not as difficult as some uh, think because we already have practice from all the stories about Phantom Ancestors where we do the same and it's even more difficult because you do one story here and then five years later someone tries to do a sequel story about the same Phantom Ancestor and we have to make sure, okay, is that possible because he was in England in April of 1548, could he be <laughs> in Spain? I know you have mentioned this about <laughs> the past phantoms, how they travel through Europe, and this is it even possible? <laughs> and basically, this is the this is the editorial challenge, uh, both for the stories set in the twenty second phantom storyline with Sandal Singh, and uh, the twenty first phantom with uh, as we produce mostly stories about the twenty first phantom that we don't do anything in those stories that upset. What is coming next? I th I already have like, readers that have said, well, in the future stories about the twenty second Phantom, Luaga is a doctor again, and we have just had spoiler alert for free readers. Uh, Luaga is a president in the stories that we do about uh, the twenty first Phantom now. But you know, a lot can happen in those years until no spoilers, mate. Yeah. Luaga's been the president the whole time through. We don't we. <laughs> we ignore Luaga. Luaga has been the whole time. Brew readers know that that's the case. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's stuff to keep on track. And uh, you know, it's it's challenging, but not only for those stories. Like, for example, as I mentioned, the historical stories. Uh, the most recent new Team Phantom story about a past phantom had that exact uh, uh, thing that we looked at where does this fit in the timeline of this phantom? And we decided, and this was uh, something that, that I discussed mainly with Mika Lyck that I brought in as a proofreader for Phantom. Because as I said, I was proofreader and now I became editor, which means that we didn't have a proofreader. So I suggested Mikael because I know that he will not just spot the uh, language errors, he will spot the continuity errors as well, which he has done mm -hmm. a fantastic job with. So I could, before this story had even reached the proofreading stage, I bounced the, uh, my thoughts with Mikael and Lyck and said, uh, could this story take place? You know, the writer in the script had one idea and I didn't feel that this would work really. So I had another idea and I asked Mikael to think about it and we placed this story basically during a, an already existing story. So instead of the Phantom doing a new trip to Europe, this story takes place during a trip that has already been mentioned in a past story. So that, that way Dan doesn't have to whinge about that when we review it yes, in a year or that two. Means, so. <laughs> that means one trip less to Europe. He's experiencing more, more adventures on the way to Europe. Instead. <laughs> it's probably hard enough working out when each phantom died and was born. I, I, yeah. I will give you how many trips to Europe a phantom took while he was in these 20 or 30 years in the job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. It's good to it's good to hear that people listen to us. Hey, Dan. <laughs> yeah, and, and look, we've got to give five, full credit to Mikael Lick 
um, you know, con- regular contributor to Chronicle Chambers Comics and News <coughs> uh, podcast in particular over the what probably the last two or three years. So um, I th- I'm pretty stoked to uh, that for Mikel because I know that um, it will be a dream come true for him to um, be on that you know part of part of the journey and part of part of the publishing. <coughs> Um, schedule as um, proofreader, as you say, but also able to give you input there. Um, and we can vouch from our interactions with him that uh, you've got a you've got a good bloke for the job there. Yeah, yes. uh, and he, but and he says no comment more than you, Andreas, as well, which yeah. is really annoying. <laughs> good. <laughs> so I, I, I tell him all the time: you do you can't share anything about what's upcoming. Uh, but uh, if I may, that you mentioned that. When or if we continue the 22nd Phantom storyline, it has to be written by someone who knows the Phantom very well. And I agree about that storyline that we, we won't hire a newcomer to write that particular storyline. But in general, I think that it's an editorial uh, uh, responsibility to keep the continuity, mm. to make sure that this is a Phantom story and not a Superman story or a Batman story. Uh, because you would be surprised to know that so many of the stories that you have read were written by people that had no clue about the Phantom. And it was all editorial direction that sort of made it feel like a Phantom story. Uh, So it's not a prerequisite that a writer or an artist is familiar with the Phantom. It's uh, first of all, you look at someone who is professional, who can create professional artwork, professional stories, and then if if needed, you give them like the uh, uh, homework to read up on the Phantom, and then as editorial responsibility, you uh, um, you uh, make sure that nothing is out of context or out of continuity, and it's not the uh, artist or writer's responsibility to be a Phantom expert. I think. Uh, very good point. So I'm assuming you've got a Phantom Bible that you give all new creators then? Sort of. Um, back in 2016, when I filled in for Mikael Sewell the first time, he had put together like uh, just a document with the uh, main characters, uh, sample uh, panels to show how they look and like a brief bullet point Mm. version of this is the phantom and this is not phantom you know uh what we don't want to see in a phantom story uh it's not as detailed as you would think if you hear the word bible but uh, it's good enough like a a first uh, impression for someone who is you know it's intended for someone who is a professional writer or artist uh, who has sort of gotten through the first contact with Egmont and then you send them this when they start in the case of a writer to plot ideas and submit story ideas uh, and then when an artist is going to draw their first story they have some uh, you know samples of what the skull cave looks like how Guran look and uh, Diana and uh, all the main characters but of course also for each individual story you supply even more references because there could be returning characters that are not big major characters or you can have scenes set at a place that hasn't appeared very often like a village or a temple or something so each individual story has 
an even bigger file of references that yeah. goes along with it. Yeah, interesting. Uh, just for the record, and I know we have talked about this privately, but for the record, uh, I really do think there needs to be a Phantom Bible, probably not just mm -hmm. for for uh, Phantom Man, but also for Fru and for uh, all these other new publishers that are creating new new content, mm -hmm. um, because there's been there's been uh, you know a few errors creeping in, especially uh, around the world, the last, you know the yeah. last ten twenty years. So. Yeah. yeah, but we've discussed that on a podcast, so make sure you go listen to that. I think it was episode 196, 95, 94, around there. Yeah, so, yeah, not long yeah. ago. Yeah, <laughs> so make sure. Um, so moving on a little bit. So 2022, you've told about how it's going to be the same amount of issues. What about news stories? What's your plan for news stories? Anything you can tell us about that? Uh, well, this is what I was hinting at. What is a news story? Uh, um, our intention for next year is that every issue of Phantomen will have a news story, but that is a news story for the Phantomen readers, which means yes. that it can be a true story, it can be a King Feature story, or it can be a Team Phantomen story. But the goal that me and Jacob have for next year is that every issue that you pick up will have something that has never been published in Sweden before. Oh, wow. That's and awesome. that's something that, you know, circumstances has led to more reprints in recent years. And there has been a bit different ways of presenting them. Uh, for a while, every double issue was only reprints, for example, which, you know, you, you could collect the whole storyline. It's great like that. But after a while, if you're already a fan with a big collection, that means that the double issues have nothing new to offer. It's only stories that you have read before. Yeah. Uh, so I think that with the new, the number of new Team Thomas stories have been produced in recent years. It's not as much as it was in the past. In the past, it, for a while, it was in every issue, a new Team Thomas story. So when I grew up, it was uh, that was the norm that every issue was a new story. Uh, the Team Phantomen stories plus the King Feature stories that filled up every issue in a year. So we will try to get that same feeling that there is there will be no issue that you can skip if you want to read everything new. So, uh, and then yeah, I'm assuming that you'd be able to have an older story if necessary in like a double issue or something like that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So there will be at least one new story in every issue. And with new, I mean something that hasn't been published in Phantom and, in Sweden before. And that's that's good for fans, but surely that's also good from a business sense because fans will want to buy every issue and not skip over one or two. You know, you, you're not relying on the, the, the anal collectors like Jermaine and I who must have every issue. You're, <laughs> you're also picking up the, the fans who, um, you know, just want to read new stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Still, I mean, to some extent, it could be uh, seen as we're just spreading out the new stories over more issues. And in the past, it could be like some issues have two new stories and one issue has only reprints. But I think that overall, if you take into account all the origins, so to speak, the Team Phantom stories, the King Feature stories and the Fruit stories, there will be a more new stories to read next year. Uh, and then we just, as you say, hope that the the readers, the buyers appreciate this and not just feel like 
I would rather read a reprint from the 80s instead of this new story from Fru or instead of this, you know, we will, we have in, in this year, we have picked up some King feature stories that were skipped the first time around stories from like the late 90s or early 2000s that haven't been published before. If the fans feel that we would rather have a reprint from the 80s or 70s, uh, uh, it's uh, it, there's no point for us to make the effort of finding something new to read. But I I think as you said, Jermaine, uh, uh, we will for the most part combine so that there will be many issues where you have several stories and mm. at least one is totally new to Swedish readers. Yeah, is that, awesome. is that a philosophy that you've only can only do now that Fru are producing so many new stories of their own? I, I, I and I don't know off the top of my head how many. <coughs> Um, uh, Egmont have published, but um, it wouldn't be many. But there's starting to be a catalogue there mm. that um, that you can choose from. Yes and no. Uh, yes, we are going to publish more through stories. Uh, we published more through stories this year than the year before, and there will be more next year than this year. Uh, and through is building a big catalogue, but unfortunately, I wouldn't say that we can consider all of them for our magazine. Uh, we're still trying to strive for that feeling of a unit that this is, we are presenting stories that could take place in the same continuity, that feel mm. the same in storytelling and art style and all that. Um, we're not editing the newspaper strips anymore, so they don't look like comic book stories, but that's about as far as we go. Uh, and there are some through stories that are just not compatible, I think, but uh, there are more and more. And that is, yes, an explanation to why we can do it this way. I mean, the other, if, if Fru hadn't begun to increase their production this way, the only way we could have done uh, new stories in every issue would be to bring in like Moonstone stories or DC mm -hmm. stories. And as much as I like them, they are even more out of continuity like yeah. they they would be have to be presented like a, an alternate uh, yeah yep. and without line. necessarily going into and explicitly saying which story it said um what is it about some through stories what are you looking for in terms of stories that make the cut and some that don't what is it about this the through stories that you would not consider that make them um not right for you they well, they have to feel like they are part of the continuity in the sense that they treat the characters the, the same way that we do, like and not just the Phantom uh, and the main characters. But there have been some stories where sort of backup characters have been used, and uh, they sort of take through has taken them in another direction than I think we would have done. Uh, which is there? Uh, I mean, they can do that just as much as uh, Team Fantomen has taken newspaper strip characters and sort of created new storylines for them. But in the case of there are some Team Fantomen characters that have been reused by Fru, and I don't think that every uh, storyline in that case has gone in the same direction as we would have liked to take the characters. Are we talking uh, about Miss Mist? And her love affair with the Phantom? I will not uh, see that story printed in Sweden ever. <laughs> that is uh, uh, basically what I'm talking about. Uh, when 
yeah, there are some character, characters, there are some storylines that doesn't work. And I we come back to what you talked about, uh, that there is a sort of a need for a, a Bible to be shared by all publishers. And I think that uh, some of the things that a lot of publishers miss, and even through that have experience that have published the Team Phantom stories, you know, to to keep the Phantom mysterious, to not have him uh, walking around in a Phantom costume, uh, talking to people that have never met him and they don't react and uh, uh, yeah, things like that. And I, I have given my input to Fru as well. I have the same position there as I had for, uh, for Egmont for a long time that I proofread the stories. So on those occasions that I, mainly I was brought in to proofread the translated stories, because there were some times when the translation from Swedish to English had some interesting yeah. choices and uh, you're more so a native Swedish speaker, but speak English excellently. Yeah, and I mean the big, the big issues that I had, and this was a few years ago, uh, when like phantom uh, specific terms were mistranslated, because, uh, for example. The deep woods aren't called the deep woods in Swedish. They're called the deep forest. And when you translate it back and you don't know this, suddenly you have a phantom story where the phantom lives in the deep forest. Yeah. But that is not what it's called in English. So I, I, there were th those kinds of mistakes and some even, uh, some even more subtle and some even more uh, bigger mistakes than that example. But that's when I contacted through and said, I offer my services as a proofreader. I will do it for whatever you offer. Just don't let me see any mistakes like this again. <laughs> <clears throat> and that was about the translations. But I also got to look at some of the through produced stories before they were published and How could give my input. To, um, that was um, when they started Phantom's World, but in the Phantom magazine, not as a separate title, but they published a few Italian stories. In the, in the late 1700s, I, I think. Yeah, that. and the, around that time, there were some mistranslations, both from Swedish and even more from Italian. I think that Google Translate doesn't handle Italian to English as well as it does <laughs> Swedish to English. Uh, and uh, we haven't mentioned that, but I, I'm not fluent in Italian, but I, uh, I publish some Italian comics uh, with my own publishing company. Uh, so I, I have some experience in translating using Google Translate or uh, just proofreading someone else's. So I have started to like figure out the differences between Italian and Swedish grammar, and so to speak. So that's when I started proofreading for through, and I still do that. And that means that I sometimes I get to look at the through stories beforehand. But since they are mostly written by Australian writers, they don't perhaps see the need for someone to. Uh, look for spelling errors, but when I do, I often catch some continuity error instead. So some of the things that I've seen have been sort of uh, taken care of before print, but other things have sort of gone all the way to print. Uh, and like Germain said, that uh, when Miss Mist was used in a Falmang story, that was totally out of character and would not work in uh, context with her stories published here in Sweden, where she has been a uh, quite big, uh, frequently used character, where we have established her personality yeah. and uh, stuff like that, that we just would not be able to 
take in a story that deviates too far from that. So it's not just about preserving how the Phantom is presented, but other characters that we also have. Just, the way, just, care about. just the way you've said that, would she be um, like a Sala type equivalent? Like from the, from the Moor era when Sala was that uh, level of um, femme fatale, would, would Miss Mist be in that conversation? Well, that's the thing is that she isn't a femme fatale that she doesn't have any romantic interest in the Phantom because she's a friend with the, the Phantom and Diana. And above all, she isn't Miss Mist anymore. That was the code name that was used when she was a brainwashed uh, agent. She yeah. is a totally different person today. And uh, yeah, the, we preserve her as a, uh, that kind of character that she has evolved to today and yeah yeah awesome no that's yeah it's very interesting very awesome um is there going to be any new creators uh for 22 uh there will be for 22 and uh 23 i suppose uh it takes time to produce a new story so uh the stories that are being commissioned today will likely not see print in 2022, yeah. perhaps early 2023, so to speak. But we, uh, there are, there will be some new creators in 2022, yes. And the creators that we are talking to that haven't been given a, any assignments yet, they will probably not be seen until 2023. And I'm assuming you can't tell us names? No names. Okay. <laughs> but there will be uh, there will be both new creators and returning creators. I would think oh, that was going to be my uh, next question. Yeah, we would like to know our new creators so we can send them sketch covers because before they become <laughs> famous and cost yeah. him a lot more. Yeah, before yeah. everyone else. So, all right. So you said before we, before I touch upon the cr- returning creators, are these new creators upcoming? artists or are they kind of like bigger names like for instance when you when we saw the um like the like the american invasion in the mid 2000s Mm. or something like that i think it's more likely that there will be uh, names that the new names will be quite new to you as well Uh, uh, but the phantom still requires the creators to be professionals, so to speak. Yes. Uh, uh, especially for artists, they have to, to, to create a full-length story, even if the full-length stories are about 24 pages these days. It's, uh, it's quite a big task, and you have to keep uh, a deadline. Because when we commission stories for Egmont, they are intended for a specific issue. Uh, so you, you can't have someone, and this has happened, uh, where an artist simply cannot deliver on time, then they will most likely be taken off that story and a new artist brought in because we can't wait for the story to be finished for mm-hmm. next year instead because then we don't have a new story for that issue that is it was scheduled for. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And returning artists, um, I'm just going to name drop any, any nods. Uh, Hans Lindell, Alex Soviak, nothing. No, nah, he's not giving me anything. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not going to give anything about that. Uh, um, are they, are they popular artists? artists? 
the returning uh, artists? Are they I'm popular not, ones no, that fans are going to uh, be excited I, about? This is what I... Uh, the way that things have been in recent years when the number of new Team Phantom stories has been less, there yeah. has been less room for all the artists and writers that already have been on the team, so to speak. So that's basically when, when we talk about returning, it's not really that it, it's not always that they have taken a long break, but we simply can't find a new story for every writer and artist every year. Yes. So some will just have to wait two years or three years between stories because we can't offer more and because they fill up their schedule with other things in the meantime. Mm. So it's uh, that is the difference compared to how it was, I would say, 10 years or more ago when the Phantom could be like the main job for so many creators. There were mm. so many creators that did four or five stories in a year and that was basically their full-time job. Today, most artists and writers will do uh, one or two stories. And that means that since we don't make as many stories in a year, they would have to, if they want to do more phantom stories, they knock on Fru's door and perhaps do a story for Fru and uh, uh, stuff like that. But we can't offer every artist and writer uh, a new story every year. No, that's awesome. Uh, Dan, anything to add? Uh, no. No. Awesome. Now, another thing that uh, some fans, especially the Phantom End readers, might be noticing is there's a bit of a, a count-up happening in the Phantom End magazine at the moment. I believe at the time of recording, um, the 999th Team Phantom End created story will be out soon. Um, an easy, easy question. Uh, what issue is going to feature the 1,000th uh, Team Phantom Man created story? That will be in the last issue of this year. So issue, double issue 25-26-2021. And sorry, just to, again, as an ignoramus, that is the 1,000th story that Team Phantom Man has created. Not, yes, not so it's not issue, not issue, not issue. It's the 1,000th new Team Phantom Man story. That's, that's a, a lot of story. <clears throat> left it. <laughs> that's a lot, and that's also uh, excluding, for example, Heart of Darkness, which was published as a separate series with lots of shorter episodes. We're talking about one thousand stories uh, with you know main stories uh, with the Phantom that have been published since nineteen sixty three. That's unreal. Yeah. yeah, I reckon. I reckon a lot of fans have probably glossed over that or have not realized just how much of a big number that is uh, um, actually this is this is the kind of thing that i should have kept my eye on because i'm i'm a, a big fan of keeping track of things like this as you know the numbering for the phantom and comic is restarted every year so we don't yeah. print on the cover that this is issue number 1600 or something like that but that is something that I have been, uh, there was a suggestion by me that at least print it on the inside cover. So yeah. since some years back, we print on the inside cover the sequential number so we know how far up we are. And, and uh, what is that number at the moment? With that number at the moment would be uh, 1,695. Right, so, so that's, we're not, coming up. That's, that's not very far behind, Fru. 
no, we're coming up on 1700 next year. Yeah, well. Uh, so that's also, uh, yeah, something to keep track of. But the number of stories was actually not, not something that I had uh, kept track of. Uh, it was Jacob that reminded me of that. Uh, well. So that, that we would actually reach uh, 1000 this year. So that's when we started to do that. Um, as soon as I realized that, we started to do that countdown that for every new Team Phantom story we published this year, we mentioned with a, uh, a spot, this is story number 996, 97, 98. So we're building towards a thousand. Yeah. No, that, that's something to be proud of. And, and I know you've, you've only just joined the, um, the business um, formally and professionally and, and, and full, uh, part-time, but uh, mm. casual and uh, volunteer for many years. But it's something to be mm. proud of for, the, uh, yeah. for everyone involved with um, Team Funtiman uh, over the years since 1963 and, and mm. obviously a little bit before that as well. Will you ever publish a black and white Phantom Man comic again? Uh, yeah, you're referring to the one issue we did this year that was all in black and white. And as I mentioned in the beginning, black and white versus color, that is the big, big question that divides the fans in Sweden. This issue was part of the schedule that Mikael Sul had done before he left. Uh, um, and when I looked at it and, and saw that here is an issue, I mean, for, for a few years now, uh, occasionally there have been black and white stories uh, like reprints have been in black and white but all new stories have been in color but then uh, we uh, Mikael scheduled a through story uh, a requiem by Peter Anderson uh, to be published in an issue with a black and white reprint and suddenly we have an issue that is only in black and white for the first time since 1990 so that's uh, the way I saw it was quite a big deal. So we made a bit of a, again, all attention is good attention in, in stuff like this. Uh, so we made a press release and we made some announcements beforehand and stuff like that just to make people aware of this because you wouldn't believe how many people that still contact us and say that I'm a huge Phantom fan, but I stopped reading when it became in color. Really? So of course we have to, let everyone know that we do publish it in black and white occasionally. Yeah. Uh, so they shouldn't give up on the Phantom. Uh, we will probably never go back to being black and white in every issue. But now we have black and white reprint stories uh, now and then. I wouldn't say in every issue, but maybe every second, every third issue will be some story in black and white. Uh, I don't know if you will ever schedule a complete black and white issue again. Uh, uh, perhaps if we can do something special about it, I think it would be fun to, you know, maybe do a sketch cover for that version uh, of a book or something like that. But uh, yeah, I've got a few empty spots up behind me, yeah. uh, Andre, so that could be a good idea. They could be popular yeah, I mean, with uh, one corner of Australia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if we do a, a completely black and white issue again, I think that we should do something special about it to like mm. uh, make people aware of it. I still think that we have too many people in Sweden that claim to be Phantom fans, but they stopped reading it when it became in color and uh, aren't aware that we do stories in black and white these days it's something that we should remind people of often yeah no definitely 
Definitely. That is a very good answer. Um, now, going back to Close Room Ify, um, are you planning on having, like, one writer taking over the majority of the stories like he did, or are you going to, like, spread that load amongst many writers? Yeah, the, the reason that Klaas did the majority and at the end almost every story was that the total number of stories was reduced mm. over the years. And as I said, when I grew up uh, reading the Phantom stories, Team Phantomen would have uh, several writers that did maybe four or five stories each year. Mm. Uh, you had Norman Walker, Don Avenel, Scott Goodall, Klaas, of course, and Alf. some others that... Yeah, Alf himself, but he... Um, they, they, there were several writers, some doing just one story now and then, and some that did mm. four or five or six stories in a year. And I really liked the variety of that. Yeah. Uh, and the thing that kept it all together to feel like one consistent comic, that was the editorial input, I would say. Yes. So that's how I assume that we will uh, move on, that we have fewer new stories and I don't think that it would be wise to sort of put all the eggs in one basket and have one writer do as much as Klaas did in the last years because as good as Klaas was, it kind of made readers, even when it was just an announcement of his retirement, suddenly readers were worried about the future and in my, from my perspective, this is how it used to be, that we have several writers sharing yeah. the uh, uh, creativity. Mm. And I think that it's uh, yeah, it's better to have several writers doing a couple of stories each. But of course, unless we find a way to increase the number of new stories, that means that there will only be room for mm, maximum two or three stories per writer in a year. And oh. most maybe just one story and some writers... Not every year. Yeah. Um, supplements and extras in Phantom comics. Um, as a as a kid, I liked them. I still like them. Um, you know, getting like you know the rings, the stickers, postcards. Mm. I believe the last one besides the um, the posters that you do for the best cover was back in the it was a postcard for the wedding anniversary. I believe. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Any any plans on doing any extras or supplements? Does it still work having those extras in magazines? Do you see spikes in in um, in purchases? Uh, next year we'll have at least the posters. We do two posters every year: the publishing schedule poster in the first issue, and the best cover yeah. uh, poster later on. Uh, nothing more is scheduled now, and that is completely out of my hands. I will suggest things like that all the time, but um, it's an e economic decision and I quite frankly don't know if it boosts sales. Uh, yeah. I know that it used to do, like when the, f when the first rings appeared uh, as extras in a, an issue like 20 years or something like that. I know that Ulf Granberg mentioned in an interview that that increased sales a lot. But mm. perhaps everyone already has a ring, so I don't yeah. know if so a ring, uh, I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know exactly what we would be uh, good to use as a supplement. But I, I 
personally, I would enjoy it, and I think that the, we should try it more. Okay, listeners, if you are listening uh, and you have an idea on a supplement, whether it's a, a Phantom Man comic or even a free comic, make sure you let us know via social media um, what your opinion is, um, and then we can pass that on to Andreas as well. Jim, can we throw in the one that we were talking about earlier today? What was that one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is an idea that we were discussing today is, you know, with um, Jeff Weigel, who's got little Sunday little strip, little <laughs> Sunday title, and each story is a different one. That, that would be great as whether it's a trading card or a postcard or, or, or even a sticker as you're reprinting that story just because, you know, each one is different and it's, you know, I kind of feel that seeing a lot of publishers don't include that, it almost gets wasted it only mm. appearing in newspaper stories. In uh, some comic fans from DC have uh, been making noise recently about a an announcement regarding Superman's son and does the phantom need to follow in the steps in the footsteps of that where you have sexually diverse characters what's your I opinion think on that, that well I, I don't think that we would be following in the footsteps of DC or Marvel they're uh, they do their stuff their way and we do stuff our way uh, but logically speaking, of course, uh, there should be more diversity among the characters in the Phantom Strip. Uh, and when it comes to that particular issue, I think that Team Phantomen was actually uh, close to addressing it in that story that came, when was that, like 15 Gio years Bari? ago? Yeah, yeah, Giovanna, which was uh, about... Uh, a story where the fourth phantom fell in love with what he uh, thought was a man, but turned out to be a woman in disguise. And that was the closest that we have come to a character, especially a main character being out, uh, so to speak. Uh, then we had the pride issue a couple of years ago, but that didn't really affect any characters. It was just that the 21st phantom was present at uh a pride event uh, but yes I think that there should be a lot of diversity among the characters in the Phantom Strip uh, I think that um, it should be done in a good way like not I don't really think that it's something that should make headlines the same way that this has been it should be treated more like uh, just part of a story like uh, yeah, I think that's the challenge Andreas is how do you make something like that an important narrative point because if it's not a narrative point then it's not part of the story and if everything is going well and equally then it's not part of the story it's not a narrative no point. So it's, it's but I think that it, it doesn't have to be like a major plot point either but today we don't even have characters that I mean we have characters that have uh, relationships uh, and I'm not talking just about the Phantom because I'm, I'm talking about all the characters like the uh, yeah. supporting characters as well sometimes yeah we we see characters that have relationships but no one that has had a relationship with a character of the same gender so just next time that we have a character that 
has you know it's it's a natural part of the storyline that they have a, a relationship why not to have a relationship with someone of the same gender yeah. and logically speaking i think that we have probably already seen several characters in the phantom comics that are bisexual or homosexual it's just that it has never been a point story yes so i think that most likely uh, would be not to create a brand new character, but that some of the existing characters that we know very little about, the first time we see their private uh, life, their home life, that is when we find out, ah, mm. this character is gay, uh, mm. for example. Whereas if we have never seen anything about their previous relationships in a story, we just don't know. So yeah. I don't have anything in mind at the moment, but I I think that there could be, as you say, it's a vast universe of supporting characters. There are probably dozens of characters that we know so little about their uh, private life that we wouldn't contradict anything by establishing that they are bisexual or homosexual. I think that what upsets people is when you take a character that they uh, that we have already seen in a heterosexual relationship and then they see it as now you are changing them for the sake of attention. That can backfire. Uh, so I would be careful about doing this and especially when you see the attention that uh, DC Comics got now because a lot of people misunderstood it and thought that it was about Superman and not his son. Yeah, and uh, they sort of then it was just a debate on that topic instead, and it was very discouraging to see the comments from those who basically a lot of people that didn't read the comics anymore just saw a headline and then reacted, and that's something that I don't particularly enjoy uh, in this uh, time and age. So if we can avoid some of that. Uh, sort of attention that is from the wrong kind of people for the wrong kind of reasons i think that's wiser and instead that those who read the comic find out that we have a more diverse uh cast of characters than they thought just by reading a story and finding out that way yeah. and that pride issue that we mentioned was actually the first issue that i proofread for egmont Oh, wow. So I read that story before it was printed and me and Mikael Sul, we had like a discussion about the story, but never that we never thought that it would get attention the way it did. We just, we, as always, we discussed uh, plot points. Does Carpathia have an airport? Like stuff like that. <laughs> and then... Uh, I think, oh, I think the uh, cover was what, yeah. uh, was what yeah. we did. Yeah, well, the, the same with the cover. This cover looks great and we compared yeah. it to past covers with the... Uh, other like powerful images of the phantom but when it came out and you got well there was as we didn't foresee any of this so there was no press release there was no uh, attention beforehand but people picked it up in the stores uh, it became a media thing and then it spread like wildfire and we didn't see it coming that suddenly people that hadn't read The Phantom for decades would have opinions on it, or people in other countries would have opinions on a character that they barely even knew. Mm. So I think that we learned a lot about how uh, uh, things work in this day and age of social media, that whatever you do, uh, 
doesn't just reach the people that it's intended for. Because mm. I don't think that people that read the story found it very no. controversial or anything. Because it's a, quite a typical phantom story. Yes, it's uh, it's not even a big part of the plot line. He just happens to be in a. In so the, do we do we just blame Henrik for um for causing the big stir? No, no, the, of course not. Of course not. It's, uh, but it's something, uh, as you said, I, I don't think that we should, uh, if we do anything like this again by introducing a character or presenting a, an existing character uh, with more information, I think that it, some people might think that we're doing it as a publicity stunt. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that is the wrong type of thing to make a publicity stunt out of. I think that making a publicity, a press release about having an all black and white issue or having the 1000th Phantom story, that's good things to yes. have a press release about. But uh, introducing a character that uh, admittedly we should have had this type of character decades ago already, it's not something to make a, a big uh, press release about. I think we should introduce it on the story pages and let the readers find out first yeah. of all. Yeah, I'm, I'm wary of uh, keeping you too much longer, but a couple more questions. Um, Go ahead. Now, if you're editing and there is a continuity issue, continuity, that's it, that word, who do you refer to first? Do you refer to Fork or do you refer to Team Phantom Man? Uh, we uh, refer to the... Uh, uh, the the team phantom version like the the that includes edited newspaper stories okay so uh for example in the issue that we have just released uh, that is out in sweden now we uh, reprinted the hunter witch stories yes both the original daily strip story <clears throat> and then the resolution in the sunday pages and that story in the original leafwalk version uh, doesn't match with the Team Phantom stories. There are the dates and the uh, num the ancestor in question doesn't match up. We didn't change it in the translation this time, but I did write an editorial page to explain why this is yeah. a thing, why this why these stories have been edited in the past, and why the the dates and uh, the number of the phantom in question has been changed. Uh, and whenever we do a new story, we need it to fit into the continuity that is established uh, so by Team Phantom. An obvious one would be <clears throat> the Phantom Head Peak. Who created that? According to, is it was it the Stone People or was it Michelangelo? Well, it couldn't have been Michelangelo because he was dead long before it was supposed to have been created. So <laughs> yeah. that is a Lee Falk error. <laughs> uh, Very good. Very good answer. I like that one. Um, <laughs> awesome. but that, that, is, that is one of the things that uh, I remember writing to uh, when I was a, a fan early on and I started to ask difficult questions because my local newspaper printed the Daily Strip. And they had, as you said, uh, stories that mentioned that Michelangelo created the Phantom Head Peak. And in every reprint of the Daily Strip stories in the Phantom magazine, that mention was taken away. Yeah. 
Yeah. So one of my tricky questions for the editors was, why is there a difference? Why does why do you keep taking away that reference? And the answer was simple. Michelangelo died long before that story takes place. So it's Lee Falk that didn't uh, he he did he didn't uh, follow histor historical events as closely right. as you know he he made good stories but whenever team fantomen has done historical stories that take place in uh, events that have happened and with characters that have existed in real life they try to make sure that it fits in chronologically and that is just one thing that didn't work and if they had kept it in uh, without you know just translating it and keeping it in you would have had at that time thousands of angry fans with like uh, an encyclopedia next to them and saying that Michelangelo died decades before that story takes place. Yeah. Now, I think from memory, the origin story with the stone people was actually created before Lee Falk wrote the Michelangelo story. Is that correct? As far as, yes, as far as I know. And that's, of course, something that happens all the time that, uh, when you have a story about uh, well, when you have a question which phantom and married which person there can be very many conflicts there and mm. a lot of them are because Team Phantomen made such a story first of all and then Lee Falk did a story about the same ancestor and of course because Lee Falk changed it up a lot he contradicted himself in that case oh yeah he had um he had father and son marry the same woman. Yeah, so uh, a lot of that happened, and uh, I, in that I, know case, that, I know there weren't many um, possible uh, wives in the jungle for the second phantom, but I don't think he married his mum. No, exactly. So uh, uh, we follow the already established uh, continuity, which Ulf Granberg worked very hard to. Uh, to establish like a, a consistent uh, timeline for the ancestors and all that. So we, that's what we follow. No worries. I've got two more questions. I'm not sure about Dan. Um, quickly, and as much as you're allowed to tell us, what's your process with getting stories uh, across the line with KFS? Or do you even have to show KFS your um, stories before they get published? Yes. Uh, I have been present for one meeting with the King Features uh, where they introduced me and Jacob as the new guys taking over from Mikael Sun. Yep. And uh, as you may know, there is a bit of a new process, uh, which means that it has to be approved every step of the way by King Features. This was not the case before. Uh, but since me and Jacob are new, it's uh, it doesn't really matter to us. Uh, we're not changing our way of working. We haven't worked on new stories before. So the process is the same, I assume, for any publisher that wants to do phantom stories, that you have to get approval for the synopsis, which is just the, the idea for a story. And if that gets approved, you write a script, and then you get that approved. And when the script is approved, you do the artwork, and that gets approved. So there's approval every step of the way. But... That is a job for Jacob. I don't have <laughs> the uh, connections with uh, uh, and the contact with King Features in that case. Uh, but as far as I know, we have never had any problem getting anything through uh, approval. And I think that we 
<clears throat> we are already in our mindset uh, doing what they want us to do. And uh, as yeah. you also may know, Kingfisher, they don't look at the continuity issues that we have been talking about. They don't look about look yeah. at uh, dates for the ancestors or wives or uh, those type of continuity errors. They look at uh, keeping the phantom character the same, that he doesn't yes. act out of character, that we don't show anything that they don't want to be shown in a story. And I think that we quite naturally already think the same way. Uh, our ideas for stories don't deviate much from what how they want to present the phantom. Yes. Now, for those who don't know... We have had an interview with uh, T, uh, who was part of uh, King Features, and so she's gone over all that stuff before, but it was always nice to hear it from you as well. Um, now, I've got one more question. Now, if I was to look at the people that have come before you, now, I don't know every major editor, and I haven't, I haven't really thought about every major editor, but the major editors to me, Ulf, Mikkel, and now yourself... If I was to look at their legacy, Ulf kind of filled the, the the holes in the law that was left by Lee Fork. He 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 really fleshed out the Phantom Law, like the ancestors. He did dates. He did wives. He's you know he's created origin stories like of Devil, and you know really filled that out. Mikkel Soul had a real establishing kind of re rebrought it back up. To a, to a high level and then and then of course there was the flag cover as well which we talked about previously as well if if we ever have this conversation in 10 20 30 years time when you've decided that you've had enough what would you like to see your legacy be as the phantom that's, editor that's a difficult question so early on but uh one thing that i try to do already is that as you know i i come from the phantom fandom uh, i yes. uh, i i know a lot about the phantom i have read a lot of stories from various publishers i have read the original versions of the lee folk stories and all that so i think that my role would be to sort of tie it all together especially now that we're not doing as many new stories as before but to be able to select and present stories from other publishers as well and make it feel like uh, a, a coherent uh, magazine and also try to get the readers to be sort of um, uh, par participating in the e magazine because that's how I began. There was like a, when Ulf Granberg was the editor, it was kind of a dialogue with the readers. Uh, you could read just the comic stories and enjoy them but if you read the editorial texts, if you read the interviews that he made with uh, Lee Falk and the other creators, if you read the uh, answers that he gave to uh, people like me who had the tricky questions and all that, it kind of built a, 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 community. a, a community. And that was something that I hope that we can do. Like those readers that we have today, they... Uh, uh, to make them understand what we are doing and why we are doing it, sort of, it's it's not the same uh, today as it was in the 1980s. Uh, mm. Publishing is different, comics is different, the Phantom is different. So the readers that are really uh, big fans that want to know more, 
they should be able to look at the editorial texts just like I did and find out that this is a story from Fru. They are a publisher in Australia and, you know, give them some background info. So I will try to uh, build that community. Uh, it's easier for me to have that vision than any particular vision when it comes to the new stories. It's too early to say what kind of new stories that we will make in the next five to ten years i barely know what we have planned for the next year <laughs> but one thing that i that uh yeah i i want to uh, build a community for fans because i am a fan and that's how i started and uh, i want those who read the magazine to feel strongly about the magazine and mm. even if they don't like everything i think Every issue that we make is a big compromise because we have such a different readership. Some that only like the color stories, some that only like the Team Phantom stories. And bringing it all together, we sort of have to explain why the, every issue can't be their dream issue. Why we have to uh, make it work for different tastes and <clears throat> make it feel like even if we all have different tastes, uh, we are part of the same team that make the Phantom magazine still be published. Mm. That's a very good answer, Andreas. Mm. Um, Dan, you got anything you want to add? Uh, I just wanted to, to sort ask. Of ask one more question, Andreas, and that was around, you've, you've mentioned him so many times in the podcast, and it's um, J Jacob Hansard. Um, what, what's your relationship with him like? What's your working relationship with him? Um, have you met him face-to-face -face, um, or, or in this era, is it all Zoom calls? Like, um, yeah, it, it seems like such a, an important relationship between the two of you in terms of what's being presented to us, the fans. Um, can, you, can you tell us a little bit about that? Jacob came into the picture when uh, I substituted for Mikael Sul the second time around when Mikael took uh, a leave for health reasons. And I, as I say, I, I have had contact with the, the editorial staff for many years, but Jacob was a totally new name for me then. Uh, he was brought in specifically because, uh, you know, when Mikael took a leave, they had to bring in someone from the outside. And <clears throat> already then my role was to, I was the phantom expert so that they could sort of take a step back and feel that the phantom is in safe hands so we can focus uh, our attention to the other stuff that Mikael worked on. So he was working more on the other stuff and he had the dialogue with me was, uh, uh, for example, in that short time, uh, I brought in the first true story to be published by Egmont. That was uh, Pides and uh, Shane Foley's uh, Jungle Love Story. And I brought it in because that was uh, for, we had the anniversary year, the 70th anniversary of Phantomen. So we did 1950s stories, 1960s, 70s, sort of during the whole year. And I thought that it would be fun to bring in a story that looked like it was made in the 1950s, but it was actually a brand new story. So my first Big contact with Jacob was around that time, and he, like now, did the business side, dealing with through getting a deal and uh, getting the print uh, files that we needed to print this story. So he took care of that, and he took care of uh, King Features when we needed to bring in reprint stories and uh, stuff like that. But at that time, he was 
not very familiar with the Phantom at all. He hadn't read much about the Phantom. He knew, like most people in Sweden, he, he was aware of the Phantom. It's kind of part of the general knowledge for people here to know about the Phantom still. But he is much younger and not as familiar with the comic itself at that time. And then when Mikael announced his, uh, he was leaving, they brought back Jacob to fill in the gap, so to speak, while they were searching for a permanent replacement. They brought in me to be the permanent editor replacement, but they wanted to hire, uh, they needed to hire a new project manager. And they brought in Jacob temporarily uh, so I would have someone to work with. And he had done a big, uh, th there was a big difference compared to just that year ago when we briefly worked together. He had learned a lot about publishing, about the Phantom. So it was very fun to see how he had evolved in that time. And I was very happy that they hired him as the permanent replacement because he was one of many people who applied for the job of permanent project manager for the Phantom. And I am very happy that they selected him. I think it was the right person. And as I said, we have never met face to face. We have only spoken on phone and web meetings. Uh, but I could feel this year when it was just me and him after Mikael had left and it was just me and Jacob discussing that he is bringing in so many ideas uh, that you could you would never have guessed that he is so inexperienced with the Phantom as I happen to know that he is. Uh, the way we have been talking about stuff that we want to do in the future, you could have think, thought that he had been reading the Phantom for decades. Oh, wow. But he had basically just been doing his homework for the past year and reading up. Uh, and he has, of course, some other ideas, uh, but we are both sort of, uh, we have to follow a uh, framework that is set up by someone else and do what we can within that. But I'm very happy with the response that he has given to my ideas. And he has come up with many ideas as well. And as I said, it's he gets all the boring assignments <laughs> to like handle contracts and uh, financials and look at sales and all that. And I can just come with a wish list that this is what I want to do. And he can say, you can do that. You can do that. You can't do that. You have to do <laughs> this instead. Uh, but it's been working very well. I understand what he has to uh, follow. And I follow the guidelines that he gives to me. And I do what I can within those guidelines. And I think that it has been working very well during 2021, which was to a big part already planned by Mikael Sul. And now that we are planning 2022, which is the first year that is completely our ideas, mm. mine and Jacob's ideas, it's going to be very interesting. And I think that just the fact that we are going to attempt publishing new stories in every issue will sort of be one thing for the readers to pick up on that we have like a direction for where we are going. We want... Mm every issue to feel like something that is necessary for you to have in your collection. Yep. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Well, that's awesome. It's, um, yeah, I just, uh, Dan, you got any more questions or should we start uh, to wrap up? No, I'll save them for when we talk to Andreas as a, uh, as an author, uh, as a creator. Yes. 
<laughs> yes. Mate, oh, thank you so much for for how open and um, you, you can just hear the fandom come out of you and, and that progression of you from a twelve year old who's starting to ride into the to, into the comic uh, through to now where you're at now. Um, it's just fantastic, and I, and I I don't know about you, Jim, but I've come away from this conversation feeling like uh, Tim Phantom and and, um, and the fandom in general is is in really good hands with you. Not at the helm, but with your finger in the pie in the place where it needs to be, I think. So uh, yes. thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciated it. Thank you. It was fun. And I look forward to talking to you uh, soon uh, with the uh, writer experience that I have. And uh, then hopefully my first true story will have been published. And uh, by then also uh, I can guarantee that my next Egmont story will have been published because that is the 1000th story oh, wow. that we are publishing in the last issue of this year. That is my next Egmont story. Nice. Oh, yeah. And of course, the first one was the Blood Rain story as well. Yes. Mm. <laughs> not, not um, nice little drop right at the end of the yeah. pod there. <laughs> um, to be continued. Yeah. Yeah. No, just really appreciate, uh, really appreciate what you've done. Um, I look forward to doing this again next year at around the same time as we talk about 2023, what's coming up in 2023 for Phantom Men. Um, hopefully, this can become a bit of a regular where you, um, where you tell us listeners and fans what's kind of happening in the year to come because um, I reckon this podcast will be very popular for a lot of fans around the world. Um, is there anything else, Andreas, that we've kind of not asked or not made mention that you want to or can share with us? No, I think this is uh, good. And uh, as you say, I hope we can do this uh, regularly because yes. uh, I was interviewed by you was it 10 years ago or something like that? It, time moves so quickly. So uh, there have been many times was, during that yeah. we've talked about doing a podcast again and I have sort of collected stuff to talk about in my mind and now it's just uh, too much stuff has happened. I mean, yes. that was long before I was even a substitute temporary editor and uh, now all that happened. So Yeah, we originally... Uh, so I think it was episode six or ten. And I think we were talking yeah. about the Phantom in Sweden from yeah. a, like a historical point of view. And then, um, yeah, I think we were going to get you on when you were, when you were the temporary editor, but then that got delayed. And then mm. we talked to Mikkel instead, and then we were going to get you on as a creator. And yeah, but it's good to have you on again, Andreas. Yeah. Uh, almost two hundred odd episodes. In between drinks but it's good to have you i appreciate you having us uh giving us two hours of your time um dan made it sound like a lot longer when he talked about you being from a, a 12 year old to a to a 40 year old uh we didn't have you on the podcast for that long um but no uh and our listeners i hope you've enjoyed that as well um if you did this if you did enjoy it and uh, you got some feedback, make sure you let us know via our social media. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, and we are on Facebook. Our website is chroniclechamber.com. Our email is chroniclechamber at gmail.com. You can subscribe to us via our iTunes, Spotify, all the various apps like Podbean, Player FM, CastBox, Listen Notes. And, of course, you can watch us on YouTube and also drop us some uh, comments as well. 
So for myself, uh, thank you Andreas, thank you Dan, thank you listeners, and over to you and happy fandoming. Happy fandoming, thanks Andreas. Thank you. Piracy, injustice and cruelty, and all my sons will follow me, so evildoers will believe that this man cannot die. The Phantom, the ghost who walks, the Phantom, enemies beware. The phantom's always there, but you won't find the phantom. He finds.